Well, good morning. I don't get to be here very often, but I certainly enjoy the opportunity to look at God's Word together. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we do thank you for what you've done through the cross. Thank you for showing your love so amazingly. And I pray now that as we turn our attention to your Word, would you just work in our hearts to understand and know how to apply the things we hear today. We look for the grace of your Holy Spirit at work in each of us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week we're continuing our sermon series about marriage and family. Um, And this morning I really want to focus on one word, primarily. That word is love. What do you think about when I mention the word love? You might think about uh, songs. I uh, wrote down a few, The Greatest Love of All, What's Love Got to Do With It? Uh, you've Lost That Love and Feeling, The Power of Love, Did I Just Date Myself? I, I might have. Uh, thousands more. But these don't talk about the deepest love. You might think about the love of a parent, or the love of a husband or wife, or the love of a friend, the love shown by a stranger's kindness. But these aren't the deepest kind of love. They're great examples in Well, maybe not the songs, but the other things in those relationships. But they still don't show the deepest kind of love in all the world. The greatest love of all is not learning to love myself, no matter what Whitney Houston sang. Greatest love of all is the love that God shows us. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin in the 7th verse. We read these words, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, or sorry, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This passage is really easily broken down into three sections. I put them in the outline. First, God is the source of love. Second, God has shown us a model of love. And third, God has given us the command to love. But before we proceed, I think we ought to talk about what the word love really means. Can we agree it's kind of confused in our culture? I think our culture has lost the idea of what love really is, but it's a very important word. Let's talk about what love is not. Love is not what we often see in the media or in movies. Love is not simply a Hallmark card sentiment. Love is not what we read in romance novels. Love is not a fairy tale happily ever after. Love is not tainted with abuse or criticism. Some have grown up in homes where there's a lot of abuse. That's not love. Love is both a feeling and an action. Love is a constant choice. Love is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is a demonstration of strength. Some of us may have grown up in homes where, you know, You don't want to love because that shows weakness, and that's absolutely the opposite. Love shows strength. 
which we'll talk about a little bit more as we go. The word love used throughout the verses here in 1 John is the word agape. And those of you who are very astute biblically will know all the words that are used for love in the New Testament. Um, Let me just mention the top four. Storge talks about the natural affection felt in family, like for a parent to a child. Philia is the friendship love, usually between equals. Eros is intimacy between a man and a woman. And then there's agape, and that's the deep, self-sacrificing love. It seeks out the good of the one who is loved, and this is the word that's used throughout the New Testament to talk about God's love for us. Agape is used in familiar passages like these, 1 John 3.16, For God so agaped the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love agape, your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. If we really want to, adopt, to define agape love well, the best definition, at least the best biblical definition, is found in 1 Corinthians 13. We won't have time to go into it, but I'd like to at least read it briefly here. Love, this is agape, is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love, agape, never ends. That's a great passage to study another day, and maybe you want to read it a little bit more this afternoon. Think through all these characteristics of love and how that works with the way that we're loving others. But I really want to focus back on this passage in 1 John 4 and get to our outline. And the first thing that we want to look at is God is the source of love. Let's look at verses 7 and 8 again in 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. I love the very first word here. It's the word beloved, which is also a version of the word agape. John is opening up and showing not only that he's going to teach about love, but he's saying, I love you. This is the love of a pastor for his people. This is the love of a gospel writer for the people that will read. This is the love that John had for the people he was writing to. He called them beloved. He loved them without agape love. And then John encourages us to love one another. He paints a picture from two angles. In verse 7, he encourages us to love each other because love is from God, and as his children, we should be loving. Then in verse 8, he paints the mirror image, saying that if someone does not love, they really do not know God. Because love comes from God, his love flows through us to others, and God is the true source of agape love. In the tense of the verb, we can't get around. Love one another is an ongoing tense. It's, it's ongoing. We keep doing it. Keep on loving one another would be an accurate way to say it. And the mirror image is again true. If we're not loving people well, it might cast a doubt on whether we've really, truly experienced and understood the great love of God. You see, in these verses, there is a clear connection between knowing God and loving others. What's meant by this connection? Well, let's talk about what it means to know God. To know God is more than just knowing something about him or you know, knowing a few details. This is relationship knowledge. This is the knowledge you get through walking with God. 
the longer we walk with God, the more we read of his word, the deeper we study, the better we get to really know him. When we do that, love is the natural result. John is saying, if you and I really have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then we have all we need to be able to agape love others well. Love is that natural result. It's part of the new nature because God transforms us into his image. And so as his image bearers, redeemed by Jesus Christ, that is the best way that we can show love to others. Now, let's clear away a couple of misunderstandings. Just because someone does something loving, it doesn't mean that they necessarily know God. Because apart from God, we're still bearers of God's image and we carry on those things that define him of which love is one. But um, it's imperfect until it's really fueled by God's love. When God's love works through us, we can love so much deeper, so much better, so much more completely. Can a believer be a person who does not love? I'd say it's possible, but it definitely shouldn't be the norm. If we're truly following Jesus, if we're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, his nature will shine through us in many ways, including love for others. That makes agape love sort of a test of whether someone has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But let's look carefully at the wording here. Let Let me say it this way. If a person is born of God and knows God, they will love. Okay, that's verse 7, right? Verse 8 says, if a person does not love, they do not know God. Didn't necessarily go all the way to say they're not born of God. Okay, it is possible to be a believer in Jesus Christ and not have this love, but that would be a very young believer in Christ who hasn't yet understood the depth of the love that God has shown us. Knowing God and loving others really go hand in hand. We really can't have one without the other. They're integral to one another. I want to, before we move on to the next section, I want to look at three words that are very often misquoted, misunderstood, misrepresented. They're the last three words of verse 8. God is love. So many people take those out of context and they're misunderstood to say things like, well, God is only loving. Or that God loves everyone and everyone's welcome and everything's fine. Or that God loves people and everything they do and everything's just good. That's not what this is saying. And it doesn't say, just because God is love, it doesn't mean love is God. We're not talking about an equal sign in the middle. With the language, it's very clearly one way. God is love. This is a partial definition of who God is. It is only a partial definition, however. God is also holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's kind, he's merciful, he's gracious. So many other characteristics. But this is such a clear statement. God is love. God is a significant part. Uh, I'm sorry, love is a significant part of who God is, part of his character. He is the one who really most can show us what agape love is. And because it's so fundamental to his character, that's why he wants us to be people that show this love to others. The phrase God is love, one of the other damages we do by pulling things out of context, we don't see where they really fit. The words God is love is a hinge point in this passage between verses 7 and 8, which we've read, and verses 9 and 10, which we're going to go to next. God is love is a hinge point. So let's keep that in mind, and let's continue. Not only is God the source of love, but he is the model of love. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, the payment for our sins. The ultimate proof of God's love was the cross. That's the ultimate proof. God the Father sent Jesus not just to teach and lead or to be a good person, but to die on behalf of sinners, sinners like you and me, so that we might live through him. How deep is the agape love of God? How deep is that love? Jesus taught with these words in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. God the Father showed agape love in sending Jesus to pay for our sins so that we can live through him. Agape love takes the initiative. It doesn't wait for some precondition. Agape love doesn't expect anything in return. Agape love is willing to pay the price. Agape love sacrifices to help, one, help another. It seeks the well-being of another. It shows itself in action. These are characteristics of this agape love. In fact, Pastor Jeff touched on it last week in his message when he was talking about the Old Testament example of David with Mephibosheth and how he reached out in love. Not that Mephibosheth earned it, David bestowed it upon him. And that is what we're to do, and that's what God does with us. God didn't wait for us to love him first. I'm so glad. He reached out to unlovable sinners like you and me. God's amazing agape led to his astounding action. We read a little bit more in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love, agape, for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we read God is love in verse 8, I told you that was the hinge point. God is love is also the introduction for the next section. It shows really what love is and how deep God's love is. That's one of the things that sometimes we just have to stop and and really try to get our mind around. How deep is God's love for us? Take time to think about that. I know that when I really take time to meditate on that, it changes my attitude very quickly. God has gone to tremendous lengths to show that love. This is love. It's the best kind of love. Sometimes I hear people ask the question, how can I know God loves me? This is how. Does God love me? Absolutely. He's shown it through the cross. He's shown it in paying for your sins and my sins and offering that gift of salvation to anyone who would receive it. This is love. Yes, God loves you. God reached out even when we didn't love him. Expressed his perfect agape love anyway. He acted without expecting anything in return, and in fact, we know that many in the world will turn their back on his love. Some will even hear about it and and just turn away and say, I don't want that. And how tragic that is. But God has extended his love no matter how people respond. Now think in contrast about what we see in society. We see that someone does something nice for me, so I'll do something nice for them. Or we see, you know, maybe I'll stick my neck out and do something nice for this person, but if they don't really respond or, or if they laugh at me or ridicule me, then I'm never doing anything good for them again, right? We see that that's the world's way of loving. That's the sinful way of loving. Agape love is so different. That's not agape love, what we see in the world. And the world is hungry. The world is hungry for this kind of love, desperate. They're desperate for the good news of the gospel, 
that God expressed his love in sending Jesus Christ to pay for our sins, that if we accept that payment, we can have life eternal with him. One of the joys last night with being with the Hurtis family was knowing, knowing Gib is with Jesus. That is what he wanted. That is what he spent 90 years of his life, maybe not all of it, but many years of his life longing to see Jesus, loving Jesus, loving others. Now he's with Jesus. And we'll get to see him again if we've placed our faith in Jesus. What a great truth that is. The third thing I want to look at this morning is that God has given us the command to love. Verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, and actually it should really almost say, beloved, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Here's the conclusion of the matter. God has shown agape love to us. We should show agape love to others. And this kind of love brings glory to God and represents him in the world around us. Did you catch, though, that verse 11 didn't quite say what we might expect it to say? Let's look again. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love God back. That's not what it says. Because God so loved us, we love one another. Now, expressing our love back to God is absolutely right and is exactly the right response. But in this passage, it's saying God has shown his love to us, and we are to, to use a modern phrase, pay it forward. We're to show that love to others. There's great reason for that, because in doing that, it demonstrates God's gracious character in our congregation when we love one another well. And then when we love the world well, it's such a contrast that they're going, what is this love? I, I, I like being around these people. What, what is this love? I want to know more about this love. The logic of these verses goes like this. God showed perfect love by sending Jesus to pay for our sins. When we show that love to others in the church, God abides in our midst. And when we show this love to people in the world, we introduce them to the agape love of God that they need so desperately. If we want to show the world the God they cannot see, let's show them tangible signs of agape love. That agape love points people to the goodness of God. Agape love is so radical, it is so complete, it is so self-sacrificing that it stands out against anything else the world might see as love. People cannot help but notice that something's different and they can't help but be attracted to it. The longer I live, the more convinced I am that more people are loved into the kingdom of God than convinced by debate or encouraged by reading. Not that those things are bad, but I believe that loving relationships are the biggest key that, bring, that brings people into the family of God because they respond to human love first then they understand that that human love is fueled by God's love. And then they're open to the tremendous love of God. Loving relationships are key to bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. If we have family members or if we have friends that don't know God, we can show them love. We can reach out. We don't know if they'll respond, but we can still reach out and show them God's great love. It's especially true... Um, of people that are in other religions. 
Think about this for a minute. We're doing a study here on Islam and how to reach out to people who are Muslims. And it's really, it keeps coming back to the value of relationship. Think about it this way. We, if, you've, if you've studied any of these religions, Mormon faith, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Islam, uh, even strict Judaism, if a person walks away from that faith, what happens? They get totally shunned by everybody. Their families will say, we never knew you. The whole church will say, we never knew you, we will never talk to you again. And they're completely cut off. They're afraid of this. So think about it. What's the one thing that's going to attract them the most? To know that they have loving relationships to come to. To know that God's love is not one that's ever going to turn his back on them. To know that God's love is complete and attractive and, and that he will never turn away. That, I believe, is one of the greatest keys in sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have to be brilliant scholars. We don't have to know every Bible verse. We don't have to know how to answer every question. But we can show that we love, show that we care. But we want to admit a truth that some people and really too many people have been turned away from God by seeing bad examples. We want to love well. We want to be good examples of that so that people will see the greatness of God. When we love others well, we give evidence to God's love. It's our duty and it's our delight. Jesus said it this way, recorded in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And in John 15, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And a little later, These things I command you, that you will love, agape, one another. All of this is agape. Our love for one another provides a powerful testimony. So let's love each other well. Since God has poured out his love, let's love others well. And honestly, since God has poured out his love to the people next to me, can I not love them as well? God loved me, so hopefully you can love me too. This is how this works. We love others not in response to what they do, but in response to what God has done. We love others not because they deserve it, but because we are commanded and empowered to love. We love others not to the degree that they love, other, that they love us, but to, to the degree that God loves them. That's how we want to love them as well. So let me raise a question that sometimes comes up around this point. Isn't love a feeling? Uh, and can God really command us to feel? Let's think about that for a second. It's worth dwelling on for a moment. There is a feeling dimension to love, absolutely. But there's also an action dimension. Both are important. We want to act and we want to feel. We can act without feeling, but it's not really, really fun all the time. We can feel without acting, but that really doesn't do any good. We really want the feeling and the action. But that still brings us back to the question, can God command us to feel? And the answer is yes. We see it in all of Scripture. We see things like rejoice in the Lord or be thankful. Consider it pure joy. Rejoice in our sufferings. God loves a cheerful giver. These are things that God wants us to feel in response to his love. But it's not like, you know, heavy-handed, you must do this. He fills us with his spirit to be able to show this kind of love. 
Sometimes we do have to act before we feel and pray that God fuels our feelings as well. Since God loved us while we were sinners, we can therefore love redeemed people and sinners in the world around us too. Perhaps you're here today and maybe you're having trouble feeling love towards an individual. What might be done? Here are a couple of thoughts. First, ensure that you're truly saved. If you truly have come face to face with the tremendous love of God, if you know God, make sure that that's true. Second, meditate on the tremendous love of God. I, I find that when I do that, it, make, it makes such a difference. That's one of the reasons that we come to the communion table, which we'll do again next Sunday. It reminds us again of the tremendous love of God expressed through Jesus Christ, and it's a tangible celebration of his good love. And it reminds us of such fundamental truths that fuel the way that we live and the way that we serve others. Third, if you're having trouble loving, ask God to work in your heart. That's a, that's a prayer that God loves to answer. He loves when we surrender and say, you know, God, I'm having a hard time loving this person. Would you help me, please? And I can almost guarantee you there will be an opportunity to show love to that person within a few days. And God will help deepen your love for that individual. Some people are hard to love. Some people, it's just a personality difference. That's okay. We want to love anyway. So what are some practical steps we can take? We've talked about these dimensions of love and what Scripture teaches, but what are some practical steps? I have three specific applications. They're listed in your bulletin in addition to what I talked about, about if we're having trouble loving. The first point is we agape our spouses and children and other members of our family. Now, you've probably wondered, you've, you've probably been sitting there going, okay, for 25 minutes he hasn't mentioned marriage or family once yet. This, isn't this a marriage sermon? And yes, it absolutely is. If we really understand the depth of God's love for us, that helps us love our family so much more. So I wanted to take time to really explore this together before we talked about applying it into our marriages and into our families. Home is the place where we can agape people the best and the most often because we're around them the most. So how do we love our spouses with this agape love? You know, Ephesians 5.25 tells us, guys, we're not off the hook here. Husbands, agape your wives as Christ agape the church and gave himself up for her. Guys, this is a big challenge. But ladies, you're not off the hook either. It really goes both ways, doesn't it? This is the kind of love that we want to show back and forth in our marriage relationships. And I can guarantee you, if I'm loving Kristen with the same kind of love that Christ has shown me, that's going to be a great blessing in our marriage. I'm imperfect and I'm sinful and I don't do that as well as I want to. But I want to get better. I want to get better. If I agape my kids with the same kind of love that God has shown me, boy, that's going to be a tremendous blessing for them, and they're going to see God's love more and more. Again, I am not a, a good example all the time. I, 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 I'm a sinner too. In fact, this morning I thought about maybe preaching this sermon from like sitting in the congregation because we're all learning this together, aren't we? We all need to grow in this. I, I, I really want to, and I, I hope and trust that you do as well. God loved us when we were hard to love. Sometimes the people that are closest to us are sometimes the hardest to love. And part of that is because they see our faults, we see their faults, and, and sometimes there's some history there. But how much more important to show tremendous love, remembering that God loved me when I was most unlovable. 
That helps me show love better to those that are close to me. Second, we agape our brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, sometimes there's some history or sometimes there's a sin issue. Sometimes there's just a personality difference that makes it harder to love someone. But let's love one another well. Let's show God's love in our midst. Let's testify to his greatness. Let's serve one another. And honestly, there are a whole lot of people in this room that do this so very well. It's wonderful to see. It's wonderful to see love in action. And we still want to love, whether it's easy or whether it's hard. John tells us this in uh, 1 John 3.16, so just a few verses uh, earlier. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our, life for our, our lives for our brothers. And earlier we read that we're even to agape our enemies. Now that's a hard command, isn't it? But even our enemies we want to show love to. Agape is self-sacrificing, and it doesn't always expect a favorable response. We're told to love. How people respond is up to them. But we love other believers because God loved us first. We love other believers because God loves them completely. I should point something out here. It's impossible to follow these verses if you're not here. It is impossible to follow these commands to love one another if we are not around other believers in Jesus Christ. There are people that that have this idea that they can be a Christian, they can be a Christ follower, and not go to church on a regular basis, or even not go to church at all. And that is so not the case. We, in order to do these one another's, in order to love one another well, we need to be around one another. This is the community, and, and, and God shows his love when we're gathered together and showing that kind of love for one another. God is glorified. And so we want to be here. We want to be a part of what's going on. We want to deepen our relationships here. Not just Sunday morning. Join a life group or come to a Sunday school class. Whatever it takes to get more rooted into the community here. I can tell you it's a good community to join in with. It really is. Third application, we agape others who need to know about God's agape. We want to love people in the kingdom, but we also want to love people into the kingdom. People need this agape love. They're hungry for it. Why do you think there are so many songs and so many movies about love? People are desperate for true love. We can show them that true love. We can show them. We reach out not expecting anything in return, but we reach out anyway. So loving family, loving Christians, and loving the world because God has shown his agape to us. Agape is not loving someone because they deserve it, not loving someone because they'll reciprocate or repay in some way. But agape love is, it's risky. There's no promised return on investment. It's costly. We give generously. Sometimes there's great sacrifice. And it's inconvenient sometimes. But it is what God has shown and what he commands us to show as well. Agape is commanded by God, fueled by his character, and based on the incredible love he has shown us through Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, very, right up, very first, we just have to thank you for showing us your tremendous love. You have shown us astounding depths of love to send Jesus to pay for our sins so that we can have relationship with you, the King of the universe, the Lord of all. 
God, help us to marvel at that. Sometimes we hear these phrases and we don't really enter into the depths of them. Lord, just wash over us with understanding of how awesome that love is. And may that fuel our love for one another, fuel our love for people around us, people in our families and extended families, many who may not even know Christ yet. Help us to show them tremendous love. And it's all for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.